Hello, I'm Stan Stoniker coming at you with the Hub Culture Chronicles from Emerald City, our virtual metropolis for Hub Culture. Joining me now from the beautiful mountaintop of Big Sur, California, is Vassar Seidel, who is the Deep Sea Mining Campaign Director at the Oxygen Project. And Vassar, who I've known for a while, is really at the forefront of an area of conservation that people don't know a lot about. And so I thought it would be great to have you on, Vassar, today to talk about some of this work that you're doing around ocean conservation. Welcome. How are you? Hi, Stan. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so excited to catch up with you and talk about something I'm super, super passionate about. And I know that you're passionate about the oceans. We've spent time together at the UN Climate Summits and in various places around the world um, for the work that you're doing campaigning with youth for climate-related initiatives. And I remember when we were at COP last year in Madrid, at the Madrid Manor, we were talking about some of the initiatives that you were interested in, and you had just become aware of an issue that is not really in the headlines as much as it should be around deep sea mining. And you started this campaign really yourself, and over the last year, it's actually gained a lot of momentum. Tell us what you're working on with the deep sea mining campaign project. So it's funny because, Stan, you're at uh, kind of the conception of mm -hmm. this campaign in Madrid. And I had heard about this issue and was really interested in, and wondering, you know, why haven't I, you know, why isn't it more talked about at Ocean's Cop? And I kind of did some digging there and it really did seem pretty taboo. And I actually asked a minister of economics for a country and they told me, you know, do you know what you're up against? And it was already a done deal. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, that really solidified the fact that I needed to start working on this. I just kind of hit the ground running and it really started with the group of people at Madrid Manor, um, just talking to all of our friends there and really just ideating um, what is now the deep sea by mining campaign at the oxygen project. What the, the, the catalyst was is that there was legislation going in front of the UN that would open up international deep water oceans for strip mining. Is that, is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, so deep sea by mining is the process of extracting mineral deposits from the deep sea, which is the area of the ocean below 200 meters. So you can generally think uh, in areas beyond national jurisdiction, so our international waters, or often known as the global commons. So this idea that private companies would be able to bypass national conservation laws do deep sea strip mining in ocean beds. What are the consequences of that kind of action on the floors of the ocean? You know, many people don't know much about the deep sea and that it's the biggest habitat on the planet. It's the largest biome making up 90% of the marine environment. And it plays a really vital role in our planet's ability and the seabed's ability to absorb and store vast amounts of CO2. So the other part of this is that 99% of the seabed is unexplored. And there's just so much unknown about this habitat that these ecosystems are the most fragile ecosystems on the planet. And they're some of uh, our last remaining 
uh, wild ecosystems and pristine ecosystems on the planet. You know, just to put it simply, all of the independent science is really clear that disrupting the deep ocean and its primary productivity, you know, its biodiversity, its ecosystem services is unnecessary and really far too big of a risk. We're actually talking about tinkering with some of the very basics of the life chain of the planet, right? When we're when we're talking about this is, yeah. you know, the idea that uh, phytoplankton actually absorb more CO2 than any other organism on the planet and also produce the majority of our planet's oxygen. If we start deep sea mining and destroying these ecosystems, which form the bedrock of phytoplankton production capability or, or you know, life support systems, we could actually be destroying our own life support system in terms of the oxygen that gets produced on the planet. Exactly. And the crazy thing about uh, the deep sea is it's theorized uh, where life formed on the planet. Really, you can think of the deep sea as the fundamental building block, not only for the health of the ocean, but really for the health of the planet. And going down and permanently disrupting this ecosystem and the ecosystem services that it provides um, will have chain reactions to the whole food web um, in the ocean. And that will have consequences for the rest of life on earth. Um, and the fundamental uh, ecosystem services that allow us to live and breathe on this planet. So uh, one of the issues to just be a little bit more specific on some of the impacts that deep sea bed mining uh, will have, and you can uh, look to Fauna and Flora International's report, a risk and impact assessment of seabed mining to marine ecosystems. They label uh, climate change implications as a high risk category, as the ocean's ability to cycle carbon is reduced. So not okay. only is it has a potential of impacting our ability to breathe and food chains and biodiversity, it also has a high risk of impacting and exacerbating climate change. So this is actually about more than just mining. It's actually about affecting the ecosystem of the planet to some extent. And I would imagine that no matter how much mining is approved or going to be done, it's still going to affect a relatively small portion because much of the ocean depth is much, much deeper than 200 meters. But this idea of this kind of range between what we would think of as relatively shallow or shelf-based ocean floors down to like really deep sea ocean floors, is this mining moratorium kind of going into these areas that are like in the in-between, like international waters where there's not national controls, but still really fragile ecosystems that we don't quite know what we're messing with. And I guess the point of this campaign is what? It's to gain awareness that deep sea bed mining shouldn't be unregulated or that we need to look at it further and study further before we destroy these systems. Like what is the point of the, the campaign for, for the work that you're doing to raise awareness? Right. So let's unpack that uh, question and let's start at the beginning. So part of deep sea bed mining is the area of the ocean below 200 meters. So <laughs> that is to the deep, dark depths to the bottom of the ocean. And that area, and especially the area that the International Seabed Authority, the ISA, 
has control over, it's over 50% of the entire planet's Earth's surface. So we kind of have to back up for a second and explain this legislation that they mm -hmm. are uh, trying to pass that would open up our international waters to deep sea by mining. And that is called the mining code, which is basically exploitation regulations uh, that would create standards for the industry. The ISA really has jurisdiction over, you know, who has licenses and who can mine, but they do have say over 50% of the entire planet's surface. Right now, even before the mining code has been passed, they have awarded 30 uh, exploitation licenses. Basically, these companies are waiting on the wings for the mining code to get passed, and then they can go exploit these areas of the ocean. And right now, those areas are largely in the Claren Clipperton Fractures Zone, which is the CCZ. And you might know this being down in Hawaii because it's in the Eastern Pacific Ocean between Mexico and Hawaii. And this area of the ocean is actually super biologically diverse, and it contains nine ecoregions. Each of these uh, are different, very different communities with very different species. And right now, the immediate target for deep sea bed mining is this area of the ocean. Of the exploitation licenses that are already awarded, uh, these span about 50 to 60% of the entire CZZ. So this kind of shows you exactly the area that is just immediately targeted. That's pretty overwhelming. So what you're saying is that this organization, which controls half the world's seabeds, has opened up mining rights for the under ocean between essentially Hawaii and California and Mexico. 50 to 60% of that area has been opened up for essentially unregulated deep sea bed mining. And over 50 licenses have already been granted to mining companies to exploit that. Yeah, they've been granted, but they're waiting on the mining code to be passed. And then they can go out there and actually start exploiting. And on the note of you know regulation, the mining code is the regulation. And unfortunately, right now, uh, the draft mining code uh, regulations are pretty weak on environmental standards, to be quite honest. And that's really come to light through the draft exploitation regulations. And a quote that I like to draw attention to, so you're not just taking my word for it, but you can hear the kind of thought leadership that uh, is at the forefront of the secretariat of the ISA through this quote of Michael Lodge, the SG of the ISA. Mm -hmm. He says, once you have mining, you have monitoring, then you can develop standards and you can progressively tighten those standards once you have a feedback loop from monitoring your own activity. So really, I think we can all agree that, you know, maybe accept uh, the investors who prefer to externalize costs on the commons, that we need strong industry regulations and standards if we are going to move forward with deep sea bed mining. Doesn't it sound a little bit like he's saying like, bolt the barn door after the horses run because they're saying they're going to grant these licenses for exploitation then they're going to figure out how to regulate it yes and the problem is it's very hard to get uh 167 member countries to go back and amend a piece of legislation 
So the Oxygen Project, uh, as I was kind of explaining to you earlier, we really, in, in our first stage, looked at this issue and said, you know, the problem is no one knows about it. And our skill set is new media. And so the first phase of this deep sea by mining campaign was to raise awareness. And we did so with the launch of our uh, first uh, launch video that reached millions of people around the world. And we are uh, the most comprehensive resource on deep sea related content that is directed to consumer and uh, really making this information accessible to the public. In our second phase, it's how do we create tangible impact? And we have joined forces with the Sustainable Ocean Alliance, and we have created a open letter to the UN and ISA and world leaders to sign on to a moratorium for 10 years in line with the ocean decade of science so that the ocean and humanity can thrive for generations to come. So now we are launching this uh, letter next week, next Thursday, at our virtual event, uh, which is called Defend the Deep, Global Youth Mobilizing to Protect the Deep Sea. Okay, so tell me more about this event, Vassar, because uh, it'll be on Thursday. Yes. Okay. At 12 and, p.m. Eastern. Okay, 12 p.m. Eastern. And where do we find uh, information? And can anyone attend this event? And what's the focus of the event? So anyone can attend the event. Registration is for free. All are welcome and, and encouraged. Uh, you can find this event on the oxygenproject.com's website, on our social media pages at the Oxygen Proj. Uh, you can find us on any social media platform, or you can also find us through the Sustainable Ocean Alliance, who are our partners. So please go on to theoxygenproject.com or any of those pages and register. Also, the registration link is hopin.com slash events slash defend the deep. But to tell you a little bit more about the event itself, we have also partnered with the Ocean Elders, which we're really excited about having an intergenerational conversation with them. And then also Schmidt Ocean Institute, and they will be some exclusive video content. And then our two amazing keynotes are Nainoa Thompson, who is an ocean elder, and our closing keynote is Jane Fonda, who I think most people in the audience would know who she is, but she is the founder of Fire Drill Fridays. She's an activist and an actress. We mm -hmm. all look up to her. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, she is amazingly energetic and influential just over generation right so um it's great that those people are going to be participating i believe you also have sylvia earl yes so in our intergenerational panel conversation we have two young ocean leaders one from france and one from papua new guinea who have been doing work on the grounds in their own countries to push a moratorium and to defend the deep and then we have two amazing ocean elders Sven Lindblad, who is an explorer and businessman. And then we have Dr. Sylvia Earle, who is her deepness and uh, is has the most hours, I believe, as a woman in the ocean and under the sea. Uh, and we have an amazing moderator for that panel, Rhett Butler, who started and is the founder of Manga Bay. 
Right. So just to summarize again for our listeners, because this has been a kind of, in a way you could say a deep conversation on oceans. The basic idea here is that you started this campaign to raise awareness about legislation for deep sea mining that was going to open up the oceans. That resulted in the oxygen project. This has been work that you guys have been doing to create content and raise awareness for audiences around the world to actually understand more about this issue. And then this is kind of coming to like a little mini peak on the December 10th with this symposium day talking about the impacts of deep sea mining hosted by the Oxygen Project. Do I have all that right? Absolutely. And also on that day, we'll be launching our letter uh, to drive impact to that. And I'll be hosting a panel with another amazing woman who started uh, Women's for Ocean. And we'll be talking about the top three things you can do to help defend the deep. Now, can you give us a little sneak peek? Because this will be dropping the day before the conference. So can you give us a little hint on what those three things that we can be doing um, to support and and to build momentum around this? Well, I'll tell you one for sure. And that is signing our letter (laughs) that you can find on oxygenproject.com backslash deep sea mining. And you can sign on to that letter a hint that uh, Jane Fonda has also signed on to that letter already. And we will be taking that letter to the UN, to UN representatives and uh, really targeting, you know, educating these world leaders on this issue. So there's a whole team behind the scenes that are really gonna make every signature count on that letter. And something that is also really important is not only continuing awareness, because there's still a lot of people that do not know about deep sea mining. And even though we had a, you know, initial little success with dropping uh, our launch of the campaign, we really want that momentum to grow and awareness to spread. So awareness has to keep happening. And another really big part about this is bringing this issue to our national reps around the world and also getting corporate engagement. So we'll be talking all about all of those different strands and we'll be getting a little bit more into the weeds and giving you some deliverables. So I hope everyone here who is interested uh, wants to join. So Vassar, I find it so inspiring that one person, yourself, found this subject. We're kind of horrified by the implications of it because it was all sort of being done, you know, under the radar. And, and you've kind of pulled the covers back on this issue and you're working so hard to build momentum, to, to bring exposure and to bring in a way sunlight onto this subject. And, you know, they always say sunlight disinfects. And so, you know, you talk about this 10 year moratorium and that seems like a very ambitious goal, but it also seems like something that could be realistic. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, if you were to say like, oh, of all the environmental crises and catastrophes that I need to care about, you know, we have rhino poaching in Africa. Uh, we have species degradation. We have climate change. We have fires in California. We have ocean sea level rise. We have the polar bears falling off the ice caps. Like, why is it that this particular one deserves our attention? All of our attention spans and are really strained right now. You know, we're in a global pandemic still. It's worse in the U.S. and around the world than it's been uh, the whole time. And, you know, you see anxiety and suicide rates 
skyrocketing because there are crises everywhere around the corner. And it just it's not just environmental. It's also human rights crises, especially mm-hmm. happening uh, all over the world. But, you know, I'm in the U.S. and you see it in the U.S. and you see uprisings. And there are a lot of issues that are necessary to focus on today. And not everyone can tackle them all. And in order for us to move forward and especially reach our climate goals by 2030, everyone has to operate in their areas of influence and their areas areas of passion. And mm-hmm. mine just so happens to be by mining. But what is important, and I'm not asking everyone to quit what they're doing, uh, to quit what they're passionate about and join me in the force to stop deep sea bed mining. But what you could do is sign on to the letter and our petition, um, and we can make every signature count if there's a little part in your heart that does care about the ocean or care about, you know, the ability to breathe um, <laughs> or, you know, care about a living planet. And all of these things are really inter- interrelated. I mean, especially environmental issues and even human rights issues. So if you care about one strand, like regenerative agriculture or, you know, animals and biodiversity, all of these things are interrelated, especially when we're talking about the ocean, because we do live on a blue planet. So we do need to garner uh, a little bit more respect for that lifeline, which is a healthy ocean. Yeah. And, you know, I, I find that so inspiring. And for all of our listeners, I think that this idea of like cooperation and this idea that you're presenting is actually a bigger message that goes way beyond your particular cause, but it's actually a kind of rally to arms for all of us to think about the things that we're passionate about and then to kind of synchronize the gears with everybody else. I think that one of the big problems in the climate movement and and a lot of the things that especially youth are fighting for to make things better is that the gears are always just a tiny bit out of sync. And if we could synchronize the gears so that you're working on deep sea bed mining and somebody else is working on Black Lives Matter and somebody else is working on, you know, stopping poaching, all these things can and should, and they absolutely need to work together to be able to scale effectively. And, you know, for those of us who work in tech and, you know, for the the people in the corporate world who listen to this, this podcast, we all need to be working together and synchronizing our activity and being able to support other projects that are happening and that's why I wanted to have you on today, because I think that what you're doing is really important. Now, for the last few minutes of our conversation, I'd love it if, if we could actually dive a little bit deeper into this kind of existential aspect, because I think where you're at with this work actually points to this bigger millennial, not millennial in the sense of the generation, but millennial in terms of like a thousand year impact of what we're doing as a species to the earth, because we're at a point now where we have you know, sawed through the forests of the Amazon, 60% of the Amazon has been altered in some catastrophic way, just in the last hundred years. We have moved through like the entire European continent so that there's there are very few wild places left. In America, we're seeing desertification across the West because of the way that we use water and because of climate change. And now it's almost like, okay, the next thing is to start plowing through the basis of the aquatic food chain by doing this deep sea bed mining. And some of the research that you had sent me prior prior to this call really looked at, as I mentioned earlier, phytoplankton and 
the process by which oxygen gets created from the oceans by absorbing CO2 and pushing that out. And that ties to ocean acidification. And the idea that as we pump more carbon into the atmosphere, oceans are acidifying. So can you just talk to us a little bit about what do you see as like the mega risk around all of this? And I think it even goes beyond just particularly mining. But if we don't respect the oceans, if we don't have better regulations in place, what do you see being the overall impact? Do you think we could actually lose or severely compromise life in the oceans? Absolutely. If we open the floodgates to deep seabed mining before we can appropriately instill strong environmental standards and even have baseline research of what we would be losing, then we will open the floodgates to extinction throughout the ocean. And scientists are saying this damage and deep sea bed mining damage is irreversible to these ecosystems. And not only will you lose life at the mining site, but because of plumes and because of the way the ocean works, these effects go substantially farther than the mining site itself and throughout the water column. So it's not only a threat to biodiversity, it's also a threat to the ecosystem services that allow yeah. life on earth possible, whether that's and, carbon capture and storage or the production of our oxygen, because the oceans produce two out of three breaths that we take. And I, I know I've said this before, but I want to reiterate, because I think a lot of people don't have a relationship with the ocean and, and maybe have never seen a picture of the globe, but we live on a blue planet. And really the reason why we don't have runaway climate change today is because of the ocean. It's sequestering carbon and trapping in heat, and it is our life raft for climate change. And if we go in and destroy the fundamental building block of ocean health, then my personal belief is we have no chance in stopping climate change. For those of us who don't know everything about the oceans, and there are other experts who definitely could say this better, but you know, you think about the fish that lands on your plate, which is a result of a whole chain reaction of things that begin with essentially these areas within the ocean. And if you're not producing the phytoplankton, then the phytoplankton aren't basically being food for, you know, at the microscopic level of the krill, the, the krill feed you know, all the big species within the oceans, you're really sort of going to the very, very top of the of the life chain and altering it with this with this mining. And I think that's why it's such an existential risk, because it's not like saying like, oh, don't don't hunt the dolphins, which is a really easy thing for us to get our head around. You know, when you see, you know, a dolphin hunt and you think like, oh, we shouldn't be killing these or don't kill whales. But we also need to be thinking all the way up the food chain. We're like, don't kill the basis of, you know, the food chain that produces the food for the whales. And that's where this is going. Am I right on that? Or is it is it not that extreme? And also uh, the very food that humans consume as well. I mean, you're affecting the whole web of life in the ocean. And you're also affecting economic species. This midwater section is particularly important um, in this conversation with a hundred times the fish biomass that's fished every year. 
So the ocean is already under attack and we really don't need another industry that will be the final straw on all accounts. And honestly, the greenwashing of this industry as well. And just simply put, deep seabed mining is just an extension of an extractive industry that is already on land. And the way it is slated currently is that it will have uh, less environmental standards than the mining industry has on land. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're basically just moving, you know, strip mining from the hills of Appalachia to the the undersea hills of the Pacific. So they're not just moving it; they're expanding. Just because you go to the ocean doesn't mean any mining operations on land will cease to exist. Yeah, so it's right. just the expansion of it. Okay, so we can find more about all of this at theoxygenproject.com. Uh, we can join Jane Fonda, Sylvia Earle, and a bunch of other ocean elders. I want to meet those ocean elders on Thursday, December 10th uh, at your virtual symposium. Sign the letter. That's going to be submitted back to the UN. And then I guess follow you guys on social media and help raise the flag on this important topic. Thank you, Vassar, for having the courage and the conviction to find your passion for standing up for it and for sharing it with the rest of us. I really admire you and the work that you're doing here. This was not a subject that I knew anything about until you told me. And I feel like in a world where we're constantly inundated with things that we've heard over and over again, to find out that there's like another front in the battle that we need to be fighting. Um, I just wanna thank you on behalf of our people for being the, the first soldier in that, um, in that fight and for standing up for and defending the deep. Well, thank you, Stan. And thank you, everyone who is listening to this podcast. And just I love you so much. And, and thank you for helping me carry momentum on this issue by having me on today. Yeah, my pleasure. For the rest of you who are listening, uh, there are many other great conversations on the future of climate, technology, AI, robotics, and more on the Chronicles podcast, which you can find anywhere you get your podcast especially iTunes and SoundCloud. Vassar, we look forward to seeing you soon in person and continue the fight. Thanks so much for everybody else. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next episode.